enjoy. Mm. Enjoy. Mm. We're going to talk about enjoy, and so for the first few minutes, you're just going to watch me enjoy. Just kidding. Uh, you go, guys. Uh, so we are introducing a new series called Enjoying God, and our team has come up with a way for you to be a part of it, a little ice cream contest. Uh, there's four things there's, uh, that we're asking you to do. One is throughout our series, come to church. Keep coming back and checking this out. Number two, uh, get some ice cream. So after church today, you're going to be able to pick up some ice cream on the way out. You're going to get to enjoy. And... Uh, and all, with number two is take a picture of yourself or have your friends take a picture of yourself and then DM, DM that to Skyline. Uh, if you're like, what's DM? Uh, it just means sends it, like te- text it, uh, send. There's an actual DM way, but if, if you don't know what that means, just send it um, to Skyline. Why? Because we want to be able to enjoy this together. We want to be able to see your faces and be able to enjoy this together. And then in, uh, in a couple of weeks, come down to the shore with us when we have uh, Skyline uh, Splash, what we usually call Splash, but uh, down, down at the shore. So I enjoy. How do you, if somebody asks you, how do you or what is your experience with God? What's the first word that pops to your head? What's the very first word that pops to your head? Trust. Okay, I experience. That's my relationship with God. I trust him. Obedience. Right? Maybe I, I interact with, with obedience, um, honor. We've heard that word before. Maybe that's for you. Uh, maybe you have a mixed message, right? You have a mixed part of it, which is partly trust, partly, uh, well, the Bible says to fear him. Very rarely, almost never with people I've interacted with, would the word enjoy come out of their mouth. In terms of that is how I interact with God. That's my experience with God. Some of you may even go so far as to be able to go, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought he was the God of wrath. I thought he is a God who has really high standards and I need to be able to meet those standards. How do I meet those standards? And so that is your experience with God. And so today, the whole part of what, all of what we're after today is we're going to explore the idea, could it be that God and our relationship, our experience with God, would first and foremost start with, I want to, or I get to, or I do enjoy God. So... Um, it's interesting, it's going, to be, it's going to be fun for me to walk through this with you, because when I woke up from my surgery, that was not the word I would use. When I woke up from my surgery, something happened that really kind of rocked me, and so that's not the word I would use. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to enjoy working through with this with you together. So what is the Bible's word, right? What does the Bible say What's the really number one word God uses when he talks about his relationship with us? It's love. It's love. In uh, Deuteronomy, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
and with all your strength. Now, do you usually enjoy the people that you love? I hope so, right? The people that I love, right, very rarely does a couple go, I love them. I love them. It's hard, but I love them. Nah, you, you usually are wide open. You're like, I love them. I enjoy the people that I love. But here's a word that kind of takes it up another notch. Here's a word that you're like, okay, yeah, I, yes, I use the word love, but it's a kind of a different kind of love, right? When you love people, it's one way, but when you love God, it's a, it's a love of honor. It's a love almost of awe, right? You've heard that said and you've practiced that. It's, it's this love. If you're not careful, it's almost a love of distance, but it's a different kind of love. But this next word is pretty hard to get away from. In Psalm 37, or <clears throat> Psalm 37, 4, it says, Delight yourself, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What do you delight in? There's a lot of things we delight in. What do you delight in? Some of us delight in sports. My grandson, Tate, and I, we delight in University of Michigan football. If you were around us, you would be, you would be like, this is disgusting. <laughs> Tate and I can talk about University of Michigan football every day. Tate and I can take a 12-hour trip to Michigan Pretty much talk about University of Michigan football the whole way there. We delight in it. You might delight in shopping. Matter of fact, it just reminded you, and I said shopping during the message, that's a sign from God, you should go shopping today. <laughs> right? You delight in, there's all these different pieces of life we delight in. This is what I delight in. You know what this experience is like. You know what it's like to delight in something. Just this week, Carl and uh, Jessica had little Chloe. And I got to go visit them. Yeah, it's awesome. I get to go visit them in the hospital. And what are they doing? They're delighting. What am I doing? Delighting. You get to take your little finger... I love this with babies. You take that little finger and you put it inside their hand every time. They'll squeeze it, right? I delight in that. Like that, is, that is really awesome. They are delighting in that newborn baby. Now, listen, listen to these other passages. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But... His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. How many of you have you've heard that message, that verse? You've read that message. You just skipped right over delight and went to meditate on it day and night. Oh, i got to memorize the Bible. How you, if we tracked it, I'd be, I bet you would be shocked at how many times you skip delight and go to the command. You skip delight and go to what you ought to do or something that brings tension, actually, to the relationship. Delight in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season 
and whose leaf does not wither wherever it go, whatever he does prospers. He keeps going. He keeps talking about this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I have heard messages about how rejoice is a commandment, that you have to do it. That's screwed up. I, I bet you've done this with your kids before. Now, you're going to be happy. You are going to rejoice. If you do not rejoice, and the kid's like, so <laughs> he's miserable inside, right? He's miserable. But on the outside, he's like, he's got that face going. What have we done? We've actually skipped this idea that what God is calling us into is a relationship of joy. It's to enjoy him. Then, then will I go to the altar of God. To God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my, o, o God, my God. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many times in life have you read a psalm, and, and the psalm talks like that? He says, God is my joy. He's my delight. How many times have you thought, well, that's nice poetry. That's exaggeration. The real world's not like that. What if it is? What if this is what God has called you to? Now, is this experience, is this your experience with God? What is your experience with God? Is it this idea of experiencing joy, like I enjoy him? Or is it a struggle? Is it a fight? We're going to go back to, to a book called Lamentations. And Lamentations... The author is actually watching everything go wrong. Israel is under a time of extreme judgment. If you read the Old Testament, if you read the book of Kings, like they, they disobey, 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 disobey. They don't enjoy God at all. And eventually, God keeps warning them and warning and warning them. And in Lamentations, it's coming. And so he's watching everything that he loves. He's watching Jerusalem be destroyed. You know how people, sometimes the, the good things happen in their life, and they're like, hey, God is good. Well, he's watching this going, there's nothing here to say God is good for. So in this passage, he goes back to the foundation of what he's talking about. And as we head down these passages... The challenge, the idea that I want to put before you is that, is it possible we are missing out on our inheritance because we don't know what it's like, we don't experience what it's like to enjoy God? In Lamentations, he says, I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. He introduces this word, portion. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The psalmist talks about the same thing. 
Yet I am always with you. You hold me, you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And the earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 119. You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promises. You are my portion, my inheritance. Portion's really an important word in the Old Testament. And when the nation of Israel went into the land of, of the promised land, when they finally got out of Egypt, they, they wandered for 40 years, they finally get into Egypt, the land is divided up to each tribe of the nation of Israel, and they're given their inheritance. It's called their portion. This idea of inheritance, this is what God has for you. This is what God, out of your relationship with God, this is what God has for you. This is your inheritance. This is your portion. Jesus also uses the word, idea of portion. He says, now as they went their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve all alone? Tell her then to help me. So the, the two sisters are in the house. Jesus is there. People are going to come over because Jesus is there. And she's getting everything ready. You can experience this. You've either done it or watched your wife do it or watched your mom do it. The phone rings, and they're like, hey, so-and-so's coming over. Oh, that'd be great. We'd love to see you. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Clean this. Clean this. Boom, boom, boom. Boom. Like, you're like, woo, what's going on here? Well, that, that's Martha. She is, she is doing good. She's doing the right thing. She's going to get everything prepared for the party. She is serving. That's everything we talk about. It's what the Bible talks about. And she goes, why don't you make her help me? Can't you see I'm doing the right thing? I'm doing what you would want me to do, but she's not helping. Can't she be a part of it? And Jesus has a response. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Many has cho have chosen, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her, which will not be taken away from her. So now we add to this idea of portion the idea that this portion will not be taken away. This inheritance will not be taken away. It's the same thing he said to the disciples. He said to the disciples, listen, 
I will be with you. I will never forsake you. I'll always be with you. No matter what happens, I will not be taken away from you. And another story, which is the story of the prodigal son. And there's a pretty good chance you've been introduced to the prodigal son, but I'll just review it for you really quickly. It's the story of a father and two sons. And one of the sons comes to the father and says, listen, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. I want it now. And so the father gives him his half. He gives him his inheritance. He gives him his portion. And then he goes and takes it, and he's a frat boy. And he takes his money, and he all of a sudden has a bunch of friends. And so he's going to the prostitutes. He's, going, he's drinking it. He wastes all of it. He blows all of it. He finds himself in a pig pen working for a hog farmer, and he's eating the food. He's so hungry. He's eating the food that you would feed to the pigs. And he thinks, my father's servants have it better than I do. I'm going back home and asking my father, can I just work for you? I don't, I understand, I understand I've blown it all, but can I just work for you? And when the father sees him, his, his arms are open wide and he brings him back, which is, is the message of the gospel. It is the message of Skyline, which is what? God the Father will receive you back no matter how much you've blown it, no matter how bad your decisions, no, how, no matter how evil your sins, he will receive you back if you repent and come to Christ. But that's not the focus of what we want to talk about today. We want to focus about the other brother. Because this story actually has its two major sides to it. It's the reaction of the other brother. The brother who did not wish his father dead, but stayed faithful and worked with his dad as he worked through. And this is his response. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. So they're having a party for the other brother, and the older brother's like, I don't want anything to do with it. This makes me sick. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Catch that word. Because his perspective is he's been slaving for his father. For you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fatted calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me. You're always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive and was lost and is found. The brother had his inheritance right in front of him, but he wasn't able to enjoy it. The father was with him, always, but he wasn't able to enjoy it. 
So, Jesus says, I will always be with you. Jesus says, she chose the good portion. The question for you today is, what do you want your portion to be? What do you want your portion to be? What do you think should be true of your life and in your life because you're a follower of Christ? If you're here today and you're like, but I'm not a follower of Christ, then when we go all the way back to the question uh, of how do you experience God, you might presently be experiencing God in terms of I'm curious or I'm befuddled or I, I don't experience God. As we, as we talk through this series, you can really wrestle with this because this is something God is calling you into. So your question is going to be, do you want to experience God this way? Would you dare to risk and step into this relationship? But for those of us who've accepted Christ, the question for you today is, what do you want your portion to be? You've thought about this. You may be afraid to put it on a piece of paper. You've interacted with this. This is how you find out. What makes you mad that's not a part of your life? What makes you angry that's not a part of your life? Where do you feel cheated by God? Wait a minute. I thought if I followed Christ, it would be like this. I thought this would be my portion, my inheritance. This is where I get to walk the journey with you. Because I've shared with you before, I'm going to share it again. When I woke up from my surgery, the first or second thought that came to my heart was, Chris, you've given your whole life away. Do you want to keep doing that? My thought was, Chris, are you happy with your portion? I wasn't. So you may think, hey, maybe you think it's health. I should be healthy. Maybe you think it's wealth. You're watching somebody else, and you're watching that wealth grow, and you're going, wait a minute, why does he get that portion, and I don't get that portion? Maybe it's that God should help you escape from grief. How many of us have prayed for God to get us out of grief, and he didn't? And so we said... Okay, God, I still believe in you, but I have no joy. Now, part of that is just our own natural thinking. Another part of that is there are teachers all over the world with huge followings that teach that your portion is health, that your portion is wealth, that your portion is an escape from grief. 
and nothing could be further from the truth. It is not in the Bible. The Bible teaches the opposite. But what do you think your portion should be or should have been? God does promise this inheritance. I want to be really, really clear about this. God, all through the scriptures, promises an inheritance. He promises you a portion. And the portion is him. It's him. It's not Jesus Christ the idea. It's not Jesus Christ the religion. It's, God, it's not God, the mighty creator who lives out there somewhere in the universe and is a wonderful idea. It is Jesus, your Savior. It's him. It's that you get him. Not a part of him. Not a section of him. All of him. But the problem is, if you do not know how to delight in that, if you do not know how to delight in him, you will miss that which will never be taken from you. What do you mean? What if your portion was health? It can always be taken away. What if your portion was wealth? It can always be taken away. His promise throughout the scriptures is he can't be taken away. So the problem is if you don't know how to delight, delight in him, you will miss that which you will never be without. So our question for you today is this. Who do you delight in? Or maybe what do you delight in? Who do you delight in or what do you delight in? There was a couple of characters, Esau and Jacob. And Esau and Jacob were twin brothers, but Esau was born first. So he was to have the inheritance. He was supposed to get the larger portion and so he went out hunting one day, and he was starving to death. And the younger brother shrewdly said, listen, I have created this incredible feast, and I can't believe it. Even back then, it, it had beans and rice in it. And so there was beans and rice in this incredible meal. And, and he said, listen, I will give you this, but you give me your portion. And there's an interesting line. There's an interesting thing that... It says how Esau interacted with it. And it says this, Esau did not delight in the portion given him. He did not delight in the portion given to him. We do this all the time. All the time. We've been given a portion. 
but we don't delight in it. And so then we go after weak, shallow, empty things or people to delight in. We find ourselves coming up short and, and incomplete and always looking for more. Why? Because the thing that we delight in is so empty. It's so shallow. It can't produce the joy that we're looking for. Some people may have convinced you, and you may be a part of this crowd that says, listen, if you follow Jesus, you need to kill your delights. You need to lower your expectations. You need to get rid of this idea that you get to delight in this life. But what if the exact opposite is true? What if the exact opposite is true? What if God has called us to delight in a, in a grand scale, but we instead have traded that in for something less? C.S. Lewis put it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but way too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling, ab fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy has been offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. What if our greatest delight is found in the good portion? Our portion. Your portion that will not be taken from us. Now, I don't ask you to, this morning, trust me that that's true. I don't ask you this morning to go, okay, I used to look at it this way, but now I look at it differently. I ask you this morning to trust me that this is possible. That maybe the way that you look at your experience with God is not what God's called you to. He's called you to something totally different. That it's possible that the way that you thought it worked, it works much differently. That there is a joy out there you've never experienced. That God is calling you to experience. That's what we're doing for the next few weeks. That's what we're working on for the next few weeks. So I encourage you, come back next week, bring somebody with you. Plan to come with us down to the shore. As we spend this time setting ourselves up for the fall, we want to walk into the fall and what God has for us in the fall by experiencing the joy of our portion, our inheritance. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the possibility that all those passages I've read through a lot of my life which talk about this incredible joy and, and finding delight in you and finding my portion in you and, and being able to be in really tough circumstances and somehow be full of joy and rejoicing, not because I made myself do it, but because there's 
there's a value there. There's a joy there. There's a possibility that I could be filled to satisfaction. I could be filled up so much that I'd be overflowing. Lord, over the next few weeks, work in each of our hearts. Convict us. Reveal yourself to us. Make it clear so we can enjoy you. In your name we pray. Amen.